Well, uh, my name is Andrew Jonathan, um, and I'm very grateful to be here today. I'm going to start out with a little bit of introduction about myself, and then we'll get into our message in just a few moments. I am in good standing at the Fellowship with Grace and Truth, um, Christian Fellowship here in Grand Rapids. Many of you are familiar with any of the people that fellowship there. Um, some of them even live here in the condominiums, um, the Sawyers and the Walcotts among them. And I'm, I'm very pleased to be a part of that group. Um, the Lord has really blessed me throughout my life. And one of the ways that he blessed me is that he put me in a Christian home and allowed me to grow up with parents that taught me two very important things. One was to love the Word of God, and the other was to love children. And I guess going along with that is, is also loving the elderly, because God calls us to care for those who cannot care for themselves in all stages of life. So I think it goes hand in hand. But um, throughout my life, I've known that God had a calling on my life, something that he wanted me to do specifically and specially. And over the last um, couple of years, God has really crystallized that vision. And um, two years ago, I started a ministry called Speaking for Him where I go um, to churches or places like this and I get a chance to share um, the most important news of all, the news of the Word of God. The Word made flesh and also the many words of wisdom that He shared with us when He was here on earth. And uh, I have um, big dreams and hopes for that ministry. Right now I'm praying for a uh, tent-making vocation that would help me to um, uh, make a, a living while I am getting this ministry off the ground. And I'm also praying very uh, diligently for a life partner. Uh, the, the Bible says it's not good for a man to be alone. And even though I was raised in a family of 11 children and seemed to always be around people, um, it's just not the same. So if you'd like to know how you can pray for me, those are two areas in which you can definitely be lifting me up in prayer. And I do appreciate it. Um, and I was asked by Brian uh, to bring you a, a, um, some reflections on the Christmas season as we are um, drawing near to it. And I was really struck afresh with a lot of um, amazing truths. And so before we get into that, let's open in a word of prayer and ask the Lord to show us what he has for us today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you uh, for the opportunity to be here before you. We thank you for what you have shown us and what you will continue to show us. Lord, we pray that um, as we read these words, we will realize that they are just as true today as they were when they were written. And that if you have kept your promises this far, you will continue to keep your promises to us. We pray that you bless this time. We pray that you bless everyone in this room. We pray that we would leave here changed people different from when we came in. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I want to talk to you about um, three points that, um, three things that Christmas is. The first point that I have is Christmas is the proof of a promise kept. And I wanted to start this point by reading a quote by J.I. Packer. He said, The Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. 
Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as this, tr as this truth of the Incarnation. And to start our, our service today, uh, my first sub-point goes back to the very beginning. It goes to Genesis chapter 3. If you have your Bibles with you, you can follow along with me, but we will be in quite a few different passages, so just bear with me. But um, Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 read as follows. And the Lord God said unto the servant, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It will bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And so we, we see even in Genesis chapter 3, right after the, the fall of man, that um, God already had a plan in mind for how he was going to deal with man's sin. And we read in First Peter that it says, Before the foundations of the world, he knew about this plan. And yet he still created us and allowed us to go our own way. That in, that in its own self is a testament to God's mercy. The next passage I want to direct your attention to is in Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, verses 6 and 7. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. And then, so we have this promise that, that God made. Um, I'm not sure when he made it, but it's evident that hundreds of years passed and people were looking for the fulfillment of this promise and looking and looking. And uh, you would think that they would have been uh, more than ready to accept it when it came. And finally, it did come. In, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, it says, But while he thought on these things, this is Joseph, after he's told that Mary is pregnant of the Holy Ghost. You know, I, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be Joseph and have Mary tell me that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And then have to contemplate um, divorce, but of course we know that he was a he was a just man, and he didn't want to put her away in shame, so he was going to put her away quietly. But it says in Matthew 1:20 20 and 21, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And uh, what a wonderful promise this is. And I, I have to imagine that, um, well, we know that Joseph was obedient to that. And I have to imagine for him that it was probably amazing that God would call him to play such an integral role in history. But I'm, I'm glad that 
he accepted and uh, we can see the blessings of obedience because when we are obedient God can use us to do some pretty amazing things the second point that I want to talk to you about is that Christmas is the passage of the creator from the glory of heaven to the gloom of the earth um, and George Whitfield once said Jesus was God and man in one person that God and man might be happy together again. And I, I really like this quote because it really shows what we were before Christ. You know, man was created perfect, given the Garden of Eden, everything they could ever want was theirs at their disposal. But God had one rule. He said, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you'll be fine. So the devil came in, and he used scripture, he used the words of God, but he twisted them around, used them in a different order or whatever, and he convinced the woman to eat. And rather than standing for the truth, her husband, who knew the truth, decided to eat it with her. And so, where there was peace and tranquility, where they used to walk with God in the cool of the garden, now there was just sin and discord. So, what was the answer? The answer was that God needed to draw men back to himself. But first he needed to bridge the gap, because God hates sin. God can't stand sin. So there had to be a sacrifice. So Jesus became flesh so that we could be in harmony with God again. And I hope that each of us in this room appreciate it. It says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So, Jesus, when the time was right, and there was a lot in the Old Testament that, that led up to, to this time, Abraham was told that through his seed all nations of the world would be blessed. And we know that through his seed came the nation of Israel, through the nation of Israel came the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ. And because of, because of circumstances which we do not yet fully comprehend, God allowed even those of us who are Gentiles to experience the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And God calls us to uh, follow um, the example of what Jesus did for us. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5-7, to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in likeness of men. Philippians 2, 5-7. And then we see in First Peter how God wants not only did Jesus come to die for us and set us free from our sin later in life. He died, he came to give us an example of how to live life now so that we can be free now 
It doesn't have to start when we die. Um, and it, it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 to 22, For what glory is it if when you are buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Now it could be easy if the incarnation had not happened. For us, especially being the stupid humans that we are, to say that there's no possible way that the God of the universe could relate to us. He doesn't know what it's like to be tired. He doesn't know what it's like to be hungry. He doesn't know what it's like to be ridiculed or mocked. But I, I'm here to tell you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that God became flesh and he experienced all of those things that you and I have experienced. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be tempted of the devil. He definitely knows what it's like to be mocked and, and spit upon and beaten. So we can't say, the Bible says that we have a high priest that's acquainted with our infirmities, that knows about our frailties because he took on human flesh. And not only did he take it on, but he kept it because it says that one day we'll look on him whom we've pierced. He's still in bodily form today because he loves you and me. And uh, the third point that I have is one that I don't think often gets enough talk about this time of year. And it's quite simply this, that Christmas was the prologue to the cross. Vance Havner said, Christmas is based on an exchange of gifts. The gift of God to man, his unspeakable gift of his son, and the gift of man to God when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And we see hints, hints of this um, ultimate destination for Christ even when he was a baby in the temple. When his parents went to circumcise him and give him to the Lord, they met a guy named Simeon. And Simeon said this. It says, And Simeon blessed them, Luke 2, 34 and 35. Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And you know, I often wonder if these words of Simeon went through Mary's mind when she was standing at the cross and watching her dear beloved son die for us and hearing her son say woman behold thy son to John and her 
And then to say to John, Behold thy mother. And it says from that hour, John took her into his home. And what I find interesting about that is that even though he was the Son of God, and he was accomplishing an eternal mission for us, he still did not forsake his earthly role as her oldest son to care for her on a physical level. Once again, this is an evidence that God understands, that God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, understands what it's like to be a human being, to be a human son. Because in that moment in time, he was once again Jesus, the son of Mary, and he was making sure that she was provided for when he left. Jesus himself talked about his final battle when he was before Pilate when he said, My kingdom, this is John 18, 34 and 35. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. Then I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. You know, it's interesting. I didn't include this verse in the passage, but I'll, I'll reference it anyway. That after this whole discourse, after this discussion, Pilate looks into Jesus' eyes and says, What is truth? The truth was standing in front of him. And yet, he had the audacity to say, What is truth? You know, I know that many of you are, are believers and that you love the Lord. But I also know that I can't take for granted that you all are believers. So maybe it's something that you've thought about, maybe even for years. Maybe you're one of those people who said, I'll do it someday when I get older. And now, um, looking back on your life, I'm sure that you realize that there isn't much time left, relatively speaking anyway. So I hope that if you haven't made a decision for Christ, that you would do so today. Jesus is waiting. And there will come a time when it's too late because it says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. Now maybe other people think that you're a believer and you don't want to be embarrassed by letting them know that you're not. But it's better to be embarrassed for a moment and have eternity in heaven than to save embarrassment here and spend the rest of your life in hell. And I, I felt that I had to share that. And I hope that if there's anyone in this room that hasn't made a permanent decision to follow Christ, that they would do that.
But even for those of us who are believers, we do well to remember these truths. Paul talks about Jesus' mission in 1 Timothy 1.15, and he says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And I can put myself in that verse. I know that when Jesus died, he was thinking of Andrew Gomison. He knew all the bad things that I was going to do. He knows all the bad things I'm still going to do. Yet, I know that if I was the only person on the earth, he still would have died for me. Because he loves me. And even the trials that I go through on earth, being in this wheelchair, facing rejection at jobs, facing rejection in relationships, which isn't easy, by the way. It's hard. I've had a rough couple weeks again because certain things haven't worked out, certain doors have closed. But I know that the trials of this life are to a certain measure what God uses to keep me close to him. You know, I could only run so far before my battery would die. And I'm so glad that God allowed me to be in this wheelchair because it saved me a lot of trouble. Now, it took me 14 years or 9 years after I became a Christian to really realize how much of a blessing it was and like I said some days are still harder than others but the bottom line is I know that God created me the way he did because he loves me because he had a plan for me and that he's put people in my life that truly appreciate who I am and have helped me um, to reach my potential. And I can only pray and trust that he will continue to do that. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, we read a charge. Once again, referring to the cross, it says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so, doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't think even I fully comprehend what that means. There, it's not just a one-time act that Jesus 
died on the cross and rose again the third day. He's seated. He's seated at the right hand of God. And he's there for you and for me. And um, I just want to conclude by reflecting a little bit in uh, Luke chapter 2. I should have this passage memorized. I don't, and I just dropped my notes. But, um, oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, these things happen. But anyway, we're going to look at just a few verses in Luke chapter 2. This is about the, the shepherds. It says, And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Um, and uh, it's amazing with all the people that he could have appeared to that he chose to appear to shepherds. And not only that, but you see the great faith of the shepherds when they didn't hesitate. Because later in the passage it says um, says that they said, let us make haste and go and see about this thing that has been told to us. So they didn't doubt. They had faith that God knew what he was doing. Even though they had been afraid, the angel told them to be at peace. And he, he brought peace to everyone. Of course, Peace came at a price because 33 years later the baby from that manger the hand that held onto Mary's finger the hand that formed the universe would have a nail driven in it the feet that walked about doing good would have nails driven in it. And the side that perhaps John the Baptist leaned on at supper would be speared through. Why? Because he loved us. Because Nothing else mattered. 
You know, Jerusalem held nothing but agony for Jesus. But it says before he went there that he set his face as a flint. And he determined that he would do what he was called to do. Because he said, I've always come. I've come to always do the will of my Father. And if, if there's one prayer that I have for you today, it's that you would rejoice anew in the advent of our Savior, in the fact that he came to do his Father's will, and that we as his disciples should do his will as well. I thank you for this opportunity. I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of overwhelmed at what we just talked about because it's, it's so amazing that the God of the universe would care about each of us the way he does. And, um, I know this isn't a Christmas song, but it's a song that I really resonate with and just kind of tells my testimony. And so I hope that you will uh, bear with me. And I hope that these words, even though they're not directly tied to Advent, will bless you as we end tonight, or today. Shackled by a heavy burden Neath the load of guilt and shame Then the hand of Jesus touched me And now I am no longer the same He touched me Oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Since I met this blessed Savior, since he cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise him. I'll shout it well he turned rolls. He touched me, oh, he touched me. I know the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know He touched me and made me whole. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your Son to 
walk among us to get dirty to get tired to be tempted and yet to never sin to never give up and to follow your plan until he was able to say it is finished we praise you and thank you for this I praise you and thank you for everyone in this room and I pray that you will bless them abundantly as they seek to follow you in Jesus precious name Amen